Good morning, everybody. Good to see so many of you guys here this morning. If you're joining us online, I want to thank you for watching um, and following along with our service. Um, before I begin, I just once one more time, um, I just want to recognize and thank Suzanne and Burton um, and all of the incredible things that they have done for our children's ministry for the last decade. Um, she has really just done a, a bang-up job. Um, she has really loved on all of our kids um, and has really brought them up in the way of the Lord. And we're all very thankful for the service she has done for this church and the impact she has had on our kids. And it was pretty incredible to me, especially after watching that video, seeing all those different children, all those different students that she had an impact on. It's just great to see so many kids for whom Suzanne has been able to mold, been able to teach, um, and been able to pass the faith on to. I'm going to start today's sermon by telling you guys a little bit of a story. Um, in the 1960s, there was a psychologist, and his name was Albert Bandura. And he came up with a little experiment. In this experiment, he took several children between the ages of three and six, and he put them in a singular room. Um, one child at a time would just be in the room by themselves, and they would be there, and there would be an inflatable Bobo doll. What those are, those are just like blow up like clown dolls that you can push over and they'll bounce right back up, things like that. Well, an adult would walk into the room and for half the kids, the adult would come in and they would sit with the Bobo doll and they'd play very nicely with it. They'd be very gentle with it. They'd dance around the room with it, just kind of hug on it, be friends with it. And then they would leave. For other children, however, an adult model would come into the room make a beeline for the Bobo doll, and they would basically assault the Bobo doll. Um, they would kick it, they would slam it, throw it across the room. I think even one person like stabbed it with a pencil and popped it, and they would just walk out of the room. So then they would observe the children's behavior over the course of an hour after that experience has happened. And what they found was the kids that watched the calm, kinder acting adult were very, very gentle with their Bobo doll. Um, they would hug him. They'd dance around with him. They'd play imagination games with it. However, the kids who saw the aggressive adult in the room, that room for that day basically became WrestleMania. I mean, they were kicking it. They were tossing it, slamming it down. They were just destroying and acting aggressively with this Bobo doll. From this experiment, the social learning theory was born. And this theory says something very, very simple, and it states a simple truth. People, but especially children, learn by watching others. We probably don't need some sort of fancy experiment for all of us to understand that kids like to imitate their parents. We probably notice it at least once a day. When you sweep the floor, you might notice your little one behind you making a sweeping motion, pretending to sweep. Or you might hear your preschooler put their stuffed animal to bed the same way that you tuck them in at night. Or you might say something that you really wish you didn't, and then you hear your kids say it, and you get mad at them. But really, it's your own fault because you said it in the first place. It's important for us to recognize and understand that children model what they see, and who do they see more than anybody? Their parents. Now, I'm not a parent, and trust me, I don't plan to be for a while, 
But I know this. Parenting is very, very difficult. It is basically another job. It is a challenge. Especially when you understand and you know how impressionable your child is. And we are called as Christians to disciple our kids. To teach them what it means to follow Christ and to be a Christian in today's world. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says this, beginning in verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to his fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Moses in Deuteronomy here isn't just saying that we have to teach our kids. It's one thing to teach somebody. It's something entirely different to impress the commandments of God onto our children. We're told to talk about them everywhere, in the home, outside of the home, when we wake up in the morning to the time that we go to sleep. We are called to inject God into every aspect of our day. Our kids are only in church three hours a week. So it is up to us and it is up to parents to live lives that model and reflect God in everything that we do so that they will eventually take hold of that model. The more that a child is exposed to something, the more familiar it becomes. And the more familiar that it becomes, the more second nature it becomes to the child. We are called to pass on our faith. One of the things that Doug has always told me, one of my favorite um, just sayings that he has is, I want to make faith possible for my children and for my grandchildren and their children. That's a very powerful statement. That's why we have to hold on to these teachings. If we're not passing on our faith, we're doomed to forget it. That's why we have to impress them on our children's hearts. Now, let me be abundantly clear. There is a difference between impressing faith onto our children and pressing faith onto our children. What I mean to say by that is we simply can't just force faith onto our kids. Have you ever tried to tell your kid to do something and you just force them to do it without showing them? It usually doesn't go very, very well. It doesn't work that way. It needs, to be, it needs to be cultivated. It is a process to teach our kids what it means to follow the Lord. Somebody can go to church every single time the doors are open, every Sunday, every Wednesday, the occasional um, outside of church times gathering, and when they turn 18, they walk out the doors and they don't come back. Why? Because when we make faith look like a chore or a checkbox on a task list, it starts to feel that way. I don't want to sweep right now. I can't mow the lawn today, I'll just go do it tomorrow. I don't feel like going to church today, but maybe next week I'll go. Get the picture? In that study, children mimicked what they saw, not necessarily what they were told to do. 
We need to model this for our children in order to create a more solid image of living our faith, not just telling them to have faith. In Ephesians, Paul says it this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Kids in the audience, it's important for you guys to remember that you need to obey your parents. There you go, guys. You're welcome. It's what you guys are called to do. But parents, we can't exasperate our kids. I have many friends that um, I still have to this day that all grew up in the church and walked away when they became adults. And I've asked so many of them, why is that? Why did you choose to leave? And the answer is, it felt like church was something that I had to do for my parents, not something that we wanted to do. That's missing the point. Doing church, being a Christ-centered community, and, and faith all take effort, absolutely. But it shouldn't feel like a chore. It shouldn't feel like a checklist or a checkbox on a task list. Faith doesn't happen overnight. It's a continuous process. That's how you get people who grow up in church their entire lives, but spiritually they're still infants. We have to disciple our kids, and we have to show them that faith is important. We have to inject faith into every aspect of our lives, not in a pressing way, but in a walking beside them way. How many people in here have ever ridden a bike before? Show of hands. Okay, pretty much everybody. Faith should be a lot like riding a bike. Your bike has training wheels on it when you're first learning, but your parent is still out there watching you learn, figure out how to ride the bike. Eventually, training wheels come off. That doesn't mean that the parent has completely left the child to their own devices. That's a recipe for disaster. Um, but when the training wheels come off, the parent doesn't just leave. They hold on to the handlebars and follow along with their child. They help them figure out the right balance that they need to have on the bike. Walking alongside them, helping them figure it out before eventually this child is riding the bike on their own. That is what faith should be. Now, parents, I recognize you can only do so much. On top of the several other responsibilities that you have, things like work, making sure your household is maintained, paying the bills, you're also charged with training your children and discipling them to be followers of Jesus. But it's not just the parent's job to do that. It's all of ours. It is the responsibility of this church body to help prepare and make way for the next generation of believers. Colossians 3.16 says it like this. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Church, the fact of the matter is, we all have to pitch in. I named this sermon, It Takes a Village. Guess what, guys? We are the village. We have the privilege of not only getting a front row seat to watch our children and our students of this church grow in their faith, we have the opportunity and a privilege to be an active part of their faith journey. 
we all watched all these different students in this video talk about all the amazing and wonderful things that Suzanne and Burton have done in their lives. Why is that? Because she has a relationship with them. Because they know that Miss Suzanne and Mr. Burton care about them. There was a study done by Lifeway Research, and according to this study, teens who had at least one adult from church make a significant time investment in their lives were also more likely to keep attending church, most of whom stayed in church by a margin of about 46% as opposed to 28%, said that they had five or more adults all invest in their lives, and that made them even more likely to attend church. That's adults outside of the family. When we invest time, when we invest effort into our kids, whether they are your own or not, you are actively helping them on their faith journey. One of the reasons I stayed in church after high school and even chose to become a youth minister was because I had so many adults from church who all invested in my life. People like Josh Jones, my youth minister growing up, who is still a mentor to me to this day. People like my dad, who got me to every youth event and helped on every single trip and was even a youth deacon. Or people like Landon Dale, Bailey's uncle and my youth deacon growing up that taught me in class, always checked in on me to see how things were going, and even officiated Bailey and I's wedding. These guys all invested in me while I was growing up and helped me navigate my faith, helped mold me into the man I am today, helped me become a better Christian. And I still have relationship with them even today. Relationship is a very, very powerful thing. Odds are kids aren't going to remember anything that Doug says on this stage. Doug, I'm sorry to break the news to you. We'll, we'll talk after this. You can process it however you need to. But I guarantee you that the Patton boys are always going to remember walking up and messing with Mr. Doug. The teens in my student ministry probably aren't going to remember some of the lessons that I taught. But they're going to remember me messing around with them. They're going to remember me showing up to their games and concerts. And they're going to remember me trying to be a part of their lives. Some of our kids aren't going to remember the lessons that Miss Suzanne and Mr. Burton taught them. But they'll remember the relationships they had with them and the investment that they made in their lives. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. When we invest in our children and when we invest in our teens, we are making a significant investment in the future kingdom of God. So, what does this all mean for us? I wanted to make these, this sermon application as practical as possible. About a month ago, Coffin Church of Christ had our annual Back to School Sunday. One of my favorite things that we do on Back to School Sunday is we line the room with pictures of our different children and our different students. Um, and everybody grabs one and is meant to bring it home, pray over them, think about that student over the course of the coming school year. My challenge for you guys this week is this. Take it a step further. This week, find a way to connect with that student in a way that's meaningful. Reach out to them and their family and ask, hey, how can I pray for you? Maybe have a conversation with them when you see them at church. 
go to one of their games or go to one of their concerts. If you didn't get a picture, maybe have a conversation just with one of our kids or one of our teens. Pray for them. Encourage them. Send them a card in the mail. Invest in getting to know them and invest in building relationship with them. Whatever it looks like, I want to challenge and encourage you guys to take the extra step and invest some time into our kids. They are not just the future of this church, but they are also the present. And it's going to take you, the parents, the fellow members of this church, our staff, just other adults that attend here. It's going to take all of us to build them into the Christians that God is calling them to be. Because we all know that it takes a village to raise a child. And I cannot think of a better village to disciple our children than this church and these people. Today is the third Sunday of the month, so we're about to go into our prayer time. Um, we will have various um, prayer members around the room. Um, if you have something on your mind or something on your heart and you need some prayers, come talk to us. Um, we'd be happy to, to pray with you. Um, members of our prayer team, if you want to go ahead and move to your spots, um, do so now. Um, but real quick, I'm going to pray over us, and I'm going to turn it over to Chris and the worship team. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Um, God, we are so thankful that we can come together and we can worship you, God. Um, we're thankful for Suzanne and the blessing that she and Burton have been um, to this church body and the years of service that she has given to us, God. Um, Father, I pray that we are a, we are a community um, that works together um, to, to raise our children, um, to help our children become um, who you call them to be, God, um, that we are a community that reflects you um, and impresses you onto the hearts of our children, um, God, because we know that they are the present and the future of this church. Um, Father God, we love you and we're thankful for you and your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we go into this time of prayer.